Welcome to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. This week, Reigns and Edge survive the Gallia, or Idalia, depending on your TV show. Sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops for Bitcoin investors. COVID joke demonstrates the right to free speech as well as stupidity. Tucker Carlson predicts the assassination of former President Trump. By the way, that's not a joke, and it is stupidity. Meta allows you to stop them selling your data to third-party AI companies. Countries in glass houses should watch out for bricks. And let me tell you what's wrong with boomers. And I know because I'm Henry Raines. And I'm Mark Edge, not a boomer. (laughs) No, not whatsoever. You're what, a millennial? No, I'm a Gen X. Um, In these conversations, they don't talk about us. The only thing that boomers and... Millennials can agree upon is that Gen X ought to pay for whatever the government program they're interested in. No, you you guys are already dying off too. <laughs> you skated on that one, boy. Uh, well, so I think I know where you are, but I don't know. Is, are you where you usually are in the last few weeks? I'm in Honduras. Yep, yeah, Utila, yeah. Honduras. So you you had well. First of all, let's clear something important up here. Now. Everybody on local news is calling this hurricane, in, and on network level too in the U.S., a dahlia. Okay. And to me, it looks like a Hispanic name, and I would pronounce it Idalia. What would you do, Mark? Uh, well, you wouldn't say an I at all. It would be Idalia. Idalia. So I, I got the vowel sounds put in the wrong um, accent, accent on the wrong syllable. Yeah, um, would be if you're if you're saying it's a you know a Spanish name, then you know that. But it could very well be an English name. Idalia. <laughs> going down over to see Idalia, and we're going to the, the barn dance. Well, it it isn't a, it isn't a New York City name by my standards. No, I would say it's a a, a rural Indiana name would be what I would say. Oh, oh, oh. You know, but then I, again, I, my, my family's from rural Indiana, so that's how I would know this kind of thing. And you know, that, that's just the only difference between that part of Indiana and the deep south or the rednecks are colder. Um, <laughs> that's right. It's cold rednecks. So we'll, we'll find that out. I just That just came to me as well as some other stuff on the fly here at the beginning of the show. Well, how it's, I, I think people do want to know, how, how did you fare in the, uh, the hurricane? I use hurricane in air quotes here. Yes. Well, actually, there was quite a bit of damage. Nothing that has to do with me, but thank goodness. Or I don't know. I, get, I probably should say, so bless their hearts over there. They've got all the damage. I, I, I worry about them all the time, and I pray for them. My thoughts and prayers are with them constantly. Now that I've said that, Who's that? Uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> it looked like we were going to be on the northeast corner of that swirly thing that goes up through the Gulf of Mexico, which yep. because we're on the west coast of Florida, it would blow all the water into the coastline. And I'm, I'm about 10 miles from the coast, I think, right now, where I am. I used to be closer. But I did go to the west side and not all the way out to the beaches. Just, well, you know, normally we only try and teach geography to the people we send to war. 
but <laughs> I will try and give a little geography. If people know where Tampa Bay is, where the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Rays play, they know it's like got that little circular bit of water on the left side of Florida and the little finger sticking down, which is Pinellas County, and, and we're on the south side. So if you had all the water flowing up and backing up into Tampa Bay, that would be a problem. But all along the coastline of Florida, you have different things. Like here in this county, not only being next to Tampa Bay, we have a fairly substantial river, not by like Ohio River or Mississippi River standards, but by, you know, limestone Florida standards, it's a pretty big river that actually had Man a lot of... The Manatee River is a pretty wide river at its mouth. Um, yes. And there's a lot of water flowing out there. And it actually was... Um, not super strategic in the uh, Civil War, the war between the states, but it was strategic enough that there was a quite a bit of uh, action in this part of the, the state uh, during the Civil War. We had a big sugar plantation that shipped sugar up into the Northeast and things like that. You know, when, when you have a war, anybody that's making money becomes something strategic. <laughs> so, and, and so we had that kind of level of strategery here. But the, so Ian was the, the big hurricane last year that devastated Fort Myers and Port Charlotte. And if you were to drive across the center of the state, you still see trees blown down and, and, and cows with PTSD. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, they're just standing out there looking at the cow, they, at the, the uh, tree they used to get shade under and it's sideways on the ground and, um, and the farmers consoling and say, don't worry, we've got a truck that's going to take you for a ride away from all this. Right. The PTSD yeah. won't last long. Yes. Uh, but so that was, that was the big windstorm, lots of rain, lots of flooding. This was the kind of flooding where all the water gets shoved because we had a high, uh, full moon, which I guess sometimes. Yeah, it was a blue moon and a king tide. A, a king tide. Yep. I haven't heard that phrase, even with all well, the um, TV I was watching. Yeah, it was uh, one would one would presume that a king tide is uh, quite the uh, the thing. Yeah, what is a king tide? National Ocean Service. It's a popular, non-scientific term people often use to describe exceptionally high tides. Well, anyway, in that way of of bad luck leveling things out, if you wait long enough. With Ian, the center of the state flooded and all the rivers and creeks backed up on the flatlands there and, and the poor cows were up to their ankles in water or their knees in water. This And we didn't get much on the coastline. This time on the coastline, there was lots of flooding and, again, getting hyperlocal for Mark because he grew up around here, on the islands. Florida has a lot of barrier islands. Those um, houses out there on Nana Maria Island uh, and other islands out there, they had water up into uh, their homes. And then, of course, they had the people with the big four-wheelers. that had. That's what we have the barrier islands for. So we can sell the real estate at really high prices to Yankees and then have them kind of soak up the hurricanes. Yes, because you can't afford to live out there anymore if you're, unless you had your home already. But the four-wheel drives from the good old boys go out there, and it's high enough that only the four-wheel drives can get through, and that way they can create two-foot wakes for the houses that managed to survive the flooding, and then they could have it rolling up into their doorways, and they can go curse you, four-wheel driver. 
<laughs> well, Florida does come complete with rednecks. Yes, it's it's a we we have a very diverse group of obnoxious people in this state. <laughs> we do. But, that we do. In Honduras, now that's Central America, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I have noticed in my six decades plus now of observing, uh, by the way, that does make me one of those boomers, uh, but not the bad ones. I'm, I don't. Have, <laughs> I barely have a third of the traits that I've read about here because there's 15 <laughs> traits. The but I do know that. Uh, in my observations of, of hurricanes and tropical storms and the, where they start and where they go, usually they start south of me and sort of to the um, east of me. And they usually come up, the, if they don't come up the Atlantic coast, they clip underneath Cuba and then turn up and roll up into the Gulf of Mexico or they squeeze between the Keys and Cuba and go up. But this year, hurricanes start on the west side of the Gulf of Mexico and they're like, they're already in Cancun when they they start spinning. What's up, Mark? I, I I couldn't say. I thought all hurricanes just started in Africa and like like they're thrown at the uh, the Americas like a dart at a dart. Well, the the, the 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 low pressure systems start out there, but not the ones I'm seeing this year. They just start spinning right off the coast of uh, South America and roll up into you Central American inhabitants. You haven't noticed that. I, I have, I'm afraid that uh, I don't live in Florida, so I'm not paying attention. And frankly, when I did live in Florida, I didn't pay attention to hurricanes. I'm kind of a hurricane denier, Henry. But, but there is stuff right off your coast. I mean, I know some of the months you were here, but in the summer, I mean, the early summer, they were right there next door to you. Okay, so let me let me put it together. I don't know whether or not um, the next hurricane to kind of scare the people in my general vicinity is next year or the year after or the year after that. But it will happen in the next three years. And then when it's all over, what will have occurred is some Caribbean island will have gotten smashed. There will be pleas for help. And Bradenton will have been missed. Hmm. That's just always what happens. No, that's the way to think about it, but not <laughs> quite true. But that's all right. But that's the problem with you, Jim. We had more. My mother had more damage at her house than uh, than apparently you suffered. Oh well, she's right on the water. That's right. She's right on the water. That's why. And that's why. <laughs> I think she has that swimming pool to catch it. Yeah, I'm afraid it didn't make it to the swimming it pool. Didn't work that way. What's that? I didn't work that way. It didn't go up into the swimming pool, thank goodness. Oh, the swimming pool's it didn't elevated. come that far. No, it just kind of kind of gave the dock hell. But I mean, when you build structures in bodies of water, expect problems. You know, like it's temporary by its definition. There we go. All right. Well, we continue. We're here. You're there. I'm here. We're broadcasting. But- yeah, I want to talk about boomers and how much they suck. I think that's great. Well, we will, but not allow <laughs> the suspense. You know, I've tried to throw something in there to bring your your little generation in about the Gen Xers and your attitude to this whole hurricane thing. That, that's not the way the boomers are. They boomers. 
I'm only a product of my environment, Henry. I was raised, you know, in part by a boss. I worked for I worked for the same guy. You might know him from uh, the age of twelve to the age of eighteen, and he made me go to work during hurricanes. One I remember specifically: Hurricane Elena. You see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I taught you to be aware of hurricanes, and you've forgotten <laughs> everything I taught you. You're right. You taught me to be aware I... of them because I had to travel across town to go to, to work at the comic book store for you. I thought you lived just a few blocks away. <laughs> anyway, I feel like you made a stronger man. Well, that's good. I don't even have a recollection of that. <laughs> Why, many don't, I imagine. It was, was it a it Sunday? It wasn't much of a hurricane. Day of the week, what, was it New Comic Book Day? That would be important. Now it's a Sunday. There was no, there was no reason for me to be there. In retrospect, I can't figure out why the heck I was there. But well, other than it's a good idea if you're if you're paying the rent, stay open. That's right. Or even if you're not paying the rent, you got to stay open to buy the food for when the landlord shuts you down and you don't have money for food. But a <laughs> couple couple other things to take care of here. A little bit of chit chat. This is the happy talk part, Mark. Yes, um, we're, we're all kinds of happy talk. We're Fairly into this segment. I do, you know, I crave attention. I don't really crave attention, but I'm happy <laughs> when I get attention. And I'd like to thank, uh, I won't say the full last name, but Matthew F., you know who you are. If, if you're listening to this, you sent Mark a message about this show or the, this new incarnation of a show on a Free Talk Live network. And I appreciated the comments that you made. And... Uh, it sounds like it sounds like you really like it when people sort of interact with the show. How do you want them to interact? If you had your your preference, I'd like them to call in. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Just call somebody. <laughs> call somebody when the show is on because we can't take calls. And you tell them turn on their radio or 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 if you're listening on demand at a podcast site. Call somebody up and tell them to to listen with you. Share the experience. That's the problem with the younger generation, Mark. With these, gen- why not just find us on Twitter? <laughs> the problem with the older generation is they can't give a clear direction. <laughs> well, because we can't enter inter- getting interrupted by these Gen Xers. <laughs> it's, you, know, you act like you started this whole thing. <laughs> so let me back up again. Just tell people to listen with you. Get, make that human connection again. All right. But, yes, I am, I'm happy because all my other experiences on the radio, we had at least the ability to have call-ins, and I would get some kind of feedback. So we actually – I know this sounds so spontaneous and magical to the people listening, but it's – I guess I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be true. You know, I've got to be truthful. It's pre-recorded. You're you're, recorded, yes. you're 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 in a, another continent, and it's hard to get a good live broadcast coming. Although I aspire to do in the the, the happy talk segment, I, that was in my agenda to talk to you about with the audience, and maybe they would give us feedback. But first, I want to encourage. Also, want to thank uh, at Tony Bly four uh, on X Twitter, and he he helped. Uh, Randomize the expose us to people by retweeting, retweeting some of our. Or are we? You don't tweet anymore. Are you reexing? Yeah, it's uh, funny. What do you call it? I don't know. It's, yeah, whatever you did, Tony, I appreciate it. And maybe somebody else listened to the show. We are 
seeing more activity on the podcast, which brings me to my next agenda item. I was going to say a conversation item, but the truth is it's a little bit of an agenda. Any place you're looking for our podcast, you can probably find it as long as you're looking at a podcast site, uh, whether it's on Apple or Amazon or Audible or um, Shop- oh, I was going to say Shopify. <laughs> it's not Shopify, Spotify. And um, we're on Substack now, too. We're, we're also iHeartMedia. You know, we're on most any place that, that you look, except I'm still having a little bit of trouble with Google Podcasts. But uh, I've been busily working on this. So you, you got free talk live all over the big three-hour block every day. You, you can listen to three times seven, 21 hours of free talk live. Yep. And that's a lot. And it's, if, it's if you're plenty of content, if your attention span is shorter, you can search out Reigns and Edge on your podcast site of choice, and it's broken down into six easy to digest segments that you don't even have to pay attention for a half hour because they're all under thirty minutes. But we are we just added Substack, which is an interesting thing. And, and see, Mark and I haven't discussed this because Mark and I seldom discuss anything. And <laughs> right here on the show, we, we talked much more when you were a young teen. But That's true. the Substack, see, it seems like there should be a way to share all this show prep that I'm doing. Not all of it, but we talk about these things and it's just by them. You know, they're in their car, they got their Starbucks in one hand, they're eating their Big Mac in another, and they're driving with their knees. How are you going to find these stories that we talk about? Well, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if you followed me on X Twitter? Uh, I could post them there. That's one option. Yep. I, um, Substack now will actually transcribe our whole podcast. Did you know that? There's no charge for that. I had no idea that they were doing that. No. We, we could not only, I know, maybe you could do it for, if you put the whole free 21 hours of free talk live up there. Not only could they listen for 21 hours, they could spend another 60 hours reading the transcript. <laughs> well, the transcript's good because it works with the Google algorithm. All right. Anyway, that's and so that also allows you to break it down. We could put little previews up on uh, Instagram or X Twitter. I mean, where where do people want to find this stuff if I put it out there? You know, they prefer Instagram or Facebook or X Twitter. I guess I, I, I feel like Instagram's for pictures. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Facebook's run its course, personally. Uh, so Twitter seems to be the new big thing. Except Elon Musk is running it into the ground. How so? Because somebody disagrees with how he's doing it? Well, because the advertising revenue has dropped like a rock and the usage has dropped like a rock. But I still am on there. I'm still... I'm still hanging in there with you, Elon, but maybe he's getting rid of the bots, and so the usage looks well, like it's one dropping. Of the things it's not. I was thinking about we could be like taking a line from the uh, assassination conspiracy guy Tucker Carlson, and we could do little mini mini reigns and edges on Twitter. We could have a time where we could do a, like a <sighs> what do they call that? Yeah, Twitter. Like, we could do a space. Is that what it is? X space. X space. space yeah, X? That He's got Elon <laughs> Musk has SpaceX. I guess he has X space for us. Yeah, it would be. What else would you call it? It's called X, and it's a space. We could do an Instagram story too. What, what do you like, Mark? Um, 
I, I, I think at this point, I'd, I'd like to be able to consistently put out the show. <laughs> but I like the, uh, I like Twitter for, um, and, and of course there's social.freetalklive.com too, if you want to, uh, you know, connect there too. Yes, we should all, that should be a number one place you go for everything. But <laughs> now when you're, you're narrow casting to the reins and edge sensibility, the, 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 the is range, there one? The reins and edge milieu, 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 milieu. The, the yeah. ecosystem of reins and edge. This is this is what we'll, we will have to ponder that. But anybody out there that has an idea of how they would like to receive us, you know, just ask and you will receive. Um, Seek and you'll find there's a bunch of stuff like that. They they say <laughs> we, 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 sounds, we're, sounds we're almost biblical. Going through this happy talk segment, Mark. We've um, barely got a couple minutes here. We we do need to talk about. Uh, we, do you want to talk about the economic uh, disaster that awaits us, according to some, and then blame it on the boomers afterwards? Or do you want to say everything that's wrong with boomers, and then we can say, well, look, what did you expect to happen? Then this is coming. <laughs> or I think we should. Go ahead. Or, or we could do a libertarian sort of a victory for free speech uh, segment next time. Start with that, and uh, yeah, it's your show, Mark. Tell me what now, you want to do. I, I think we should go with the uh, "Why Boomers Suck" by uh, some millennial uh, retard. Okay. Well, so that gives me about 60 seconds to figure out how to overcome these technical difficulties here on my flip phone. And <laughs> you got the one with the big button, so you don't have to put your glasses on to read it, right? Oh, is that how you do it? I've been using my, my grandpa's magnifying glass. <laughs> Those things can come in handy at times. Yes. I used to think that. You know, also, my dad used to always be, get a light. Come on, get, run that light in here so I can see. Yeah. Well, now that you have a smartphone, you can just turn the light on and light up whatever you I, need. I, 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 do that. Right. I do that at the gym at the crunch down the street because they, they, those machines are so old, the weights have faded. And I... And then plus they're behind, sort of shaded in the, the, the weight stack there. We'll talk about important things like that. That's what boomers care about. Weight stack, <laughs> not well-defined numbers. More things of important like that on Reigns and Edge right after these messages. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. 
Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It's Reigns and Edge here on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Reigns. I'm Mark Edge. And we are here to tell you what's wrong with those boomers. Oh, <laughs> man. My, my little hairs on the back of my neck, they curl up when those boomers come by. It's like Spidey Sense. I don't know how I know those boomers are coming, but maybe the little shuffle... Could I think it's just them tree? walking around with all their opinions and all their money. Uh, it just makes me angry. Yes. Well, it's always made you Gen Xers angry. <laughs> that's, that's what you're known for. Because you, you, you missed out on all the good stuff. You missed out on love-ins and anti-war protests and the, the clean LSD. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you say. I I think that's probably because actually I am a late boomer and not that I'm admitting to anything. Let's just say a friend of mine. (laughs) He used to get that LSD with the little brown spots, which was the the strychnine that they put in to make it go a little farther. Forget your fentanyl, uh, your heroin cut with fentanyl, although that is a lot more serious. I probably shouldn't make a joke about that. <laughs> well, that you might as well. <laughs> no, no, you can joke about LSD. I shoot, the government used to give it to us. Um, or, oh, actually, that would be the, the beatnik generation, not the, the boomer generation. Because the beatniks, see, do anybody even know what beatniks are? Um, the beatniks to me are just early hippies. Well, but yeah, but the boomer generation, the, the really qualifying baby boomer generation were the babies born after World War II. Right. And all the horny soldiers came back home and got married right, right away and started uh, having babies. babies with their, their wives. Or Back then, it usually was their wives, not just their baby mamas. But <laughs> That's how it's done. history there for you, folks. Uh, what, <laughs> what is the demographic of our audience, Mark? I mean, how many... What, what percentage of our audience would be boomers? It would depend on the ever-changing demographics of uh, talk radio, for one, which I would say is largely boomers and perhaps some silent generations to, to be thrown in also. But uh, I would a podcast is going to be largely Gen X and millennial. What about Gen Z? I don't suspect they give a damn what we have to say. But aren't there libertarian Gen Zers? Yes, and they're probably not listening to Free Talk Live. Well, well how do they get their, their right thinking about libertarianism if they don't listen to you all? I yeah, know they, they don't, don't listen to me because, you know, I'm, I'm... Other places to get it, I suppose. I'm like the little piece of grainy dirt in the oyster, just <laughs> helping you all make pearls. <laughs> uh, but you all have been libertarian pioneers tilling the ground. 
for a long and time. Causing the green shoots to pop up. Yep, I, I think that there's a younger generation to uh, pick that pick up. That younger generation would be my guess. Oh, you think maybe that the younger generation? We'll get to. We'll tell you what's wrong with boomers soon. But uh, I'm off on a tangent. Do you think the younger generation? Maybe libertarianism doesn't appeal to them because when I see younger generation uh, people like that are in their twenties, everybody's a younger generation, really. But uh, the like the the twenty somethings, even the even the teenagers in high school and stuff, they're either uh, like these really right wing people that follow the. Uh, the super conservative line, the, the, you know, they're the Ron DeSantis, uh, Donald Trump fans, or they're on the opposite rebellion against them. Instead of rebellion against the older generation, they seem to be rebelling, rebelling against the, whatever they consider the opposite viewpoint of their viewpoint. Well, um, let's just say what I believe is, is that the conserv, that there's, the conservative changes, right? Like, my great-grandmother, Pauline, uh, beat my great-uncles with a switch from the willow tree when she found dice in their room. Now, you're not going to find that kind of conservative running around much anymore. So a conservative is like a liberal 20 years ago. And um, what we have now coming is some kids that are rebelling against the sort of nonsense that has been thrown at them for a period of time. You're supposed to believe this nonsense, and if you don't believe this nonsense, you're a heretic, you know, and they're rebelling against that. Um, that doesn't make them conservative, because they're not. Uh, they're just a new kind of reaction to the uh, groupthink, I think. Actually, I don't think... Uh, it, what your comment about the conservatives are just liberals from 20 years ago, I would, I would have bought that statement about 10 years ago. Okay. But now I see people putting out ideas that I thought had been gone for 40 years. They're, they're, they're reactionaries or, or something beyond, uh, some of the, uh, I, I don't want to take us all down that. We, we'll have plenty of other, episodes that we can talk about this. But uh, I was just wondering, where where are the libertarian young people? What, I think that they, you'll what find... What are libertarian about? I think, that the gen, I think Gen Z is still trying to figure out what it believes and what it doesn't believe. Um, it's putting the world together, and that many of them will come to the notion that libertarianism makes more sense than whatever the Republicans and Democrats are proffering. I mean, I can see where young people that had to go to school and wear masks, uh, and not to open up that as a good or bad argument, but I would just the natural reaction would be that I hate people telling me what to do, how sure. I have to do this, and I have to uh, go to certain places and keep a certain distance. I can see how that would give you a reaction against rules and, and things like that, but... As far as um, free speech, well, maybe I, there's a lot of uh, perceived censorship and real censorship, so maybe. Yeah, maybe I, you convince me, Mark. I don't know. Um, it seems like the millennials are more interested in clamping down on free speech and that the uh, Gen Zers are more interested in more free speech. But 
you know, I've I've only I only have regular contact with a small handful of these groups, so I have to come up with my own conclusions from that. All right. Let's talk about some of the things that uh, millennials think about boomers, though. Well, that's this, this is Gen Z and and millennials are ganging up on the boomers. Well, it's always fun to go after grandma. And this is from BuzzFeed, which you know is where all the the boomers learned about the internet. I think <laughs> it's been around twenty years or so. BuzzFeed's been, yep. yeah. So they they've grown up with. It's like uh, Disney Plus. BuzzFeed is like the Disney Plus for boomers, I think. Uh, it says, younger generations are calling out the most toxic things about baby boomers. And phew, it's brutal. <laughs> I, 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 well, I'm serious, people. I mean, No, it's not. Uh, it's not <laughs> sounds like a boomer thing to say. See, you, see, your Gen Xer is just... I've been accused of being a boomer more than once. That's for sure. Boomer, but Aria, I have to, I have to apologize, but defend myself in that they have two commas in this sentence, so I had to have that 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 moment for emphasis, and then they used all caps for W H E W. Phew. So what else are you going to do? But go phew. What else? Which is like six degrees of separation from Ric Flair. Woo! And that's a lot of sidelines in there. Anyway, another little preface here to the story before we get into the 15 dirty rotten things about boomers before they just ran out of uh, megabytes to, you know, to, to print with. Uh, generations like to critique each other. And when it comes to baby boomers, people online have offered their fair share of brutal jokes and observations about them. So here are just 15 tweets about boomers that are so accurate, it hurts. We'll see about that. Finally, I would like to say, what kind of author is still using the word tweets? (laughs) Anyway. Not giving it up. Let's see. Number one. Now, these are not in any particular order, as I've been able to determine this. It's like not like the most egregious thing is number one or number 15. Just... You know, arbitrariness. Uh, you know, it's something, you know, it's some, some millennial thinking they know better and they put them in the order they thought was right. The fact that they want, this is number one, the fact that they want kids to play outside but hate when kids play outside. I expand on that. Boomer neighbors on next door. That's, that's the, like the neighborhood Facebook type app. Oh, where, yeah. Where you Next door is, uh, is widely hated for being uh, too many old people. It is, yep. is like the Facebook for get off my grass. <laughs> the, the quote, it's great if you lose your dog. Kids never go outside and play anymore, exclamation point. The parks and alleys are empty. Now, I know in big cities they have alleys. I did not. Right. Where are the where are the alleys? In the suburbs, yes. I used to play baseball in the middle of the street. So, you know. I did too I, until we got where we could hit farther and then we needed vacant lots. We actually had vacant lots back then. Yeah. We actually, uh, there was a, a. See, back when I was young, <laughs> we got our lawnmowers and we mowed down where the deserted farm was. And we didn't care about those sand spurs in the field. We just grabbed that baseball and hurled it. That's right. Oh! Anyway. Shoot. 
<laughs> uh, let's see. How dare neighborhood children play a game of basketball outside on a summer evening at a nice normal volume? Go inside. That is not printed on. That's just some millennial. Oh, no. This is real stuff. No, look, uh, if you, look, I'll, I'll give you a couple of news stories, but here's the basics. If you say want to teach your kid a lesson for misbehaving in some manner or another, and it's a, appropriate to say make them walk a mile home or something, it's a very good chance that somebody's going to call the police and say, there's a kid walking on the side of the road. Yeah. They could be abducted or uh, some variety of things like that. And I've got another story. This one happened to me personally is, is we were on a long road trip, and I told my son Jack, he was probably, I don't know, five or six or something, and I told him to get up. Get out of the car seat, go and run around and make some noise because he'd been sitting the whole time and he needed, you know, get some energy out. And so he ran around in a little cul-de-sac going, ah, a woman comes out breathless. I thought he was being abducted. I mean, of course, you hear a kid hollering in your little suburban neighborhood and the first thing you would think is he's being abducted. Well, the way you just uh, imitated his sound, it sounded like he was uh, in distress. That's right. Every kid, uh, you know, making noise, distress. Uh, it's just because they don't hear it enough. When we were kids, you heard kids playing outside. Not some strange and... kid that was just dumped out of the car and his, his, <laughs> his weird man waving his arms at him saying, run around and scream. That's, that sounds like an abduction to me. <laughs> well, abductors don't let their kids run around. Anyway, that's what the, but, but it's, that's it's what the duct tape not is not a for. real post when they say play a game of basketball outside at a nice normal volume. They, they that was just an exaggeration. But they do say sure. kids don't go outside and play anymore. Blah blah blah. And this was by Meg Saint Esprit um, just a, about a week ago on X Twitter. Um, she, she wrote that. Um, I think it's a fair thing to say is, is that, um, if you hear somebody talking about how kids don't go out to play enough, that person will probably be a boomer. And if you hear somebody complaining about the noise that your kids are making outside, it will probably be a boomer. Hmm. Well, you know, millennials are sort of old now. Yeah, well, they're, they're in their forties. They're the ones with kids. Well, they're they're all kids aren't quiet. Yeah, but when you're when your home is quiet and your kids are away, you don't want anybody else to disturb it. We used to have people complain about us riding our motorcycles up and down the street, and they weren't you know in their sixties. I my, I can tell you that my grandmother's next door neighbor um, was constantly just looking at me, just watching me. And I don't know whether she was senile or hated young people or what. But it just seemed like it, it felt like the, uh, you know, the evil eye was being cast upon me. All right. Well, let's go on to number two. Thinking money doesn't solve things. Money can't buy happiness is a boomer lie. It absolutely can. That's all there is to this one. Um so, well, I, I, here's one I see is, is that, uh, people who are like, you know, 
$10,000 would solve all my problems or $100,000 or a million dollars or whatever the number is. And I kind of, and I have to agree with whomever says uh, that, uh, you know, that, that money doesn't solve problems in so much as if a million dollars is going to solve your problems, then your problem isn't the million dollars. Your problem is how you save money. Well, you don't know. Yeah. If you're in debt. That, that's, that's libertarian dogma. Well, it may very well be, but it certainly works. If you, if you have a health issue that takes a million dollars. Well, hold on, hold on. I didn't talk about health issues. Um, well, yes, okay. Not anything. You just throw it all out there. Just Millennials aren't generally suffering from health problems. If you're a boomer, you got health problems and you could be in a situation where you need that kind of money. There's a you, million dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. It certainly doesn't. Not, not like when the boomers were young. <laughs> million dollars were young when the boomers were young. Million dollars was a lot when the boomers were young. Yeah, it's, it was. Just, it's just barely enough to, to get you a new motor home. These days. <laughs> uh, Indeed. It is, I, I will give you though that, um, money can't buy happiness, but it seems like the person you're waiting behind at 7-Eleven to get their lottery tickets checked is a boomer. But. I don't know about, um, you know, like a lot, lottery, I, I guess everything I've heard about the lottery is, is that it's a tax on poor people. Um, is that basically that poor people disproportionately play the lottery. I don't play much. My dad used to play a lot. He just liked it. And he loved to talk about winning. Um, clearly, he couldn't have won. There's no way he couldn't have won more often than he lost. But nonetheless, yeah, he loved to talk yeah, about you it. could. I mean, it's designed to pay out fifty to sixty percent, so you're going to lose more often than you win. That's what I mean. Oh, I thought you said he, that he couldn't. He never mind. Oh no, he absolutely, uh, you know, by the math, had to have lost more often than he won. If I said that wrong, my mistake. Right. Okay. Um, but he loved to talk about winning. I think the best way to approach the, the, the lottery that the state sanctions, as opposed to going and trying to play pro poker professionally or something like that, um, is you, you better go at it with that you're buying a fantasy. And for, you know, for, the, for a couple hours until the numbers come up, you know, you can have your fantasy that you're going to win that. And right. Every once in a while, when I was sort of working out in the world, I'd hear about, you know, the, the red ball is uh, at, you know, $10 million or whatever it was. You can see this is 20 years ago. But I'm, there were times when I'd buy a lottery ticket because you can't win if you don't play. And i just buy one. Okay, now I got it and I can check the numbers. And sometimes I'd check the numbers and sometimes I'd forget. So Ooh. I've always been a bad lotto player. Yes, that's a very bad lotto player. Yeah. Right. Now, the, the lotto that, you know, you have the different, they, they've gone to where they have things that seldom pay off and they get to these real big numbers now, you know, 300 million, yep. 500 million, a billion occasionally. Yep. Um, whereas when they first started the lotto in Florida, it was a one in, I think, 14 million. Two million chance or one in three million chance. Oh, really? That was the one that you, they played every Saturday or maybe every Wednesday, Saturday. And that was too good of odds. 
Now the Powerball and the Mega Millions, that's one in 300 million. Mm. But more money gets spent on that one than the one that'll just pay you a few million if you win. Yeah, but they need that one um, more. But you know, we do people know, like the big prizes. Yes, but the ones that are the five numbers, I've known not best friends. Of course, after they win, they have a lot of best friends. But the ones that are like five numbers that pay, you know, the hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh huh. Um, I was definitely acquainted with people that won. Um, yep, I've met met a few. You, you my dad won a Ford. You were one of our co one of your coworkers or one of my employees. Their family won one of those. Awesome. And, uh, the the this won't mean anything again to the people in Nova Scotia, but Basil's Chicken that owner won. Nice. Is uh, that why he shut down? No, that that's why he. I think he got to expand into more sh- stores. This was like in the sub the eighties. Uh, he he did that, and then next thing you know, he had another store opened up. But I would say that, you know, even if it's only five or six people that I know of locally that had won that, that's that's better than not knowing anybody that's ever won <laughs> big prizes. And also they pay out, you know, they pay that out, you know, almost every day. So there's like three or four hundred winners a day. I mean, not a day, a year. All right, that's enough about the, the lot. Don't play the lotto. It's a fool's game. And it's a sucker's game. So unless you're just going there to buy a fantasy, and, and there's probably better fantasies you can buy, but <laughs> it, it, that's yes. another show. Let's move on to number three, Mark. Oh, my gosh. It's going to take another segment to get through all 15. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Getting mad at things like this. The boomer getting mad at the homeless person has that has a smartphone phenomenon is a uh, great insight into how a lot of older people forget the good technology has grown incredibly cheap and housing incredibly expensive. Okay. And I think that that is a fair critique. I think so much as one of the worst of them all. But, well, you go ahead. What, which part of it? Which part don't you like? I see um, plenty of younger people that get mad at poor people um, that have a, whether they have a, a smartphone um, just because they have it, because they're out on the street with their cardboard sign, there's just a general um, uh, contempt for poor people that I, I think that younger the- people, especially ones that are like in their late twenties and early thirties that know they're working hard and now they resent yeah. people that aren't, and uh-huh. they they think, oh, they got it made there. Now, I, I admit that... Well, I, I don't think they think they have it made. I think that they think that they're probably getting by, which uh, they is for which they have a contempt, because it feels like, if you're working hard, that you're just barely getting by. You know you know that the uh, the week is about as long as the the paycheck, and that's the, the, the sort of difficulty of it all. They have lower housing costs. Uh, they probably have more disposable income and these kind of things. And, you know, you read these stories. I don't think that they're necessarily true for everybody, but I do think they make money there. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. And the, that's the ultimately... On the corner. What's that? The panhandlers make money, yeah. yeah I, I think that's sort of an organized en- enterprise, but there are a lot of homeless people out there with home with uh, smartphones, and you see them on their bike, and they may be working, they may be 
be doing whatever they are. The thing is that the, it's not the, that poor person with the smartphone that's living on the street that is the pro- reason you're having a problem in your own life. Indeed. But and, and that's just sort of, uh, you know, poor on poor violence, as it were. Um, we all feel like, you know, we're work. It's, it's the guy, it's the, the, the caterwauling hillbilly from last week, right? Um, you know, he doesn't want to eat people eating ho-hos and ring-dings when he has to, feels like he's just barely making it too. And that's the same phenomenon there is yeah. when you see the person on the side of the road. Now, I don't know when I see somebody who's not asking for money on the side of the road, what their deal is. I don't know if they're homeless or they're just hanging out. I don't know. But when somebody's asking for money, I never give. Never, ever, ever. And the reason I don't give is because it's only going to incentivize that behavior. Hold and on, hold on. We got to go now. We're going to get the rest of your thought on the other side of these messages. You're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is, is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move 20,000 people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country. That, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market. Making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist, libertarian community, and it's, it's only getting bigger. That's amazing, to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. Free Talk Live. Welcome to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. We had a list of topics that I told you about last hour, but I don't know if we're going to get to any of them because we got to get these boomers straightened out. I'm Henry Rains. I'm Mark Edge. I'm a boomer. And I'm a Gen X. All you other people are even more screwed up <laughs> right now. All right. We were working through the 15 things that are horrible, toxic about boomers, and we're being brutal to them, according to the author of the article anyway. Uh, we just got off number three. Uh, the boomer getting mad that a homeless person has a smartphone uh, and saying the old, older people don't understand how uh, technology has grown cheap and housing grown more expensive. That has, uh, well, we, we got to move on, but we got to finish this one up too. You were saying what about when someone asks you for money these days? Well, I just don't. If as far if, as a uh, person on the yeah. street, yeah, I just don't give money uh, to panhandlers or uh, anybody like that because it incentivizes the behavior. And um, you know what they should be doing, in my to my mind, is working and being productive. There is no productivity. The uh, society doesn't get better from them standing on the side of the street asking for money. I get it. They've you know made a cascade of bad decisions that have put them in a little spot and. 
Yeah, maybe if they wanted to make good decisions. There's no evidence, by the way, that they're going to start. But um, if they wanted to make good decisions, they could get themselves out of that spot and some money would be helpful in that circumstance. But the likelihood that, that there's a confluence, a congruity of those things occurring is so low that I'm just not going to spend my money towards it. I'll be happy to get money towards the... between the person that asks you for some money and the person on the side of the road asking for money. No, I don't. So I don't give money to the person that's on the corner with the sign. Only on some rare, rare occasion where they just look like physically they're in such pitiful shape that, you know, that, that's probably the only solution. But the thing is, if it was a good corner, somebody that wasn't in such pitiful shape would probably have kicked them off it by now. Um, yeah, they're going to start working it. Because it's a job now. Yeah. A job with no productivity. Uh, well, they, they spend the money. That's, but, <laughs> well, it increases the velocity of money, yes. Yeah, there, there's, there's, like when George Bush told uh, America to go shopping to support the Iraq war. Yeah, like that. But, <laughs> but if someone comes up to me and looks me in the eye and asks me for some money, I will usually give it to them. Uh, and then I say, I don't have any money for you. I'm sorry. Well, that's that's the difference between the selfish Gen Xer and the boomer <laughs> with a heart of gold. I thought it was I, oh, I thought it was a spine of rubber. Sorry. Uh, so, all right. Well, that, that's. I think that it's fair to say that uh, housing price, you know, that housing is is expensive, especially in some areas like California, where perhaps Bud, Buzzfeed is produced. You know, one of the thing being the difference in our ages. Is you, or, or the difference between any, any age, if, you, if you're 60 or 70 or 40 or 50, you different things are landmarks of your, your, your timeline. So whenever a, a modern person, whether it be a Gen Z or a millennial, tells a boomer and that, well, you just don't understand how housing is expensive. They don't understand that I knew people uh, that... Uh, before, probably, probably in the late seventies and into the early eighties, they'd get mortgages at eighteen percent. Yeah, Ugh. I mean they were. It was a husband and wife, and they had kids, and they needed a home, and so they overpaid, and they just hoped for the best. They, or rather, they they paid an extreme interest rate because you had to get into a home, uh, and you know, it, it corresponded to renting too. I mean, if the if the home was costing a lot because of interest rates, then you know it was, it was expensive to build apartments too. So if you were any place where it was growing, uh, that that was a situation. Or, or then there was also the other way, which is if you were in a city or town that was shrinking in population, like in in the north where a factory was closing down or the economy was contracting you could just fat couldn't sell your home there was nobody want right i remember i think there's still places like that though i mean there's still places in america and around the world where you simply just can't sell the house yeah but we're talking about american boomers here we're not talking about okay. nicaraguan boomers or ethiopian <laughs> boomers um but i remember the first time i went to danville with susan um which would have been the early 80s. So the, the, the lot of auto industry was up in that part of the country and had contracted. So down here, you know, yeah, they're complaining about 
uh, oh, I got a 14% mortgage or I got an 18% mortgage or whatever it was. I saw I, when we drove into Danville, one of the first signs I saw in front of a house was, we'll trade for a car. <laughs> a home for a car so I can get my butt out of this town. <laughs> so I go somewhere where I can get a job and pay the 18% mortgage. So believe me, the boomers know about uh, inflation because we live through whatever the part of inflation that everybody says, oh, it hasn't been, inflation hasn't been this like bad for 40 then. years. Well, yeah, that was our yeah. youth. Um, Indeed. Number four. And I, okay. I have to compliment you, Mark. I think this is the first time you've ever read my show prep that I sent to you on the air. Well, there you go. I just like it. I, I'm really uh, excited I, about I, all of this. I take that as validation and a compliment both. <laughs> number, I'll let you do number five, but I'm going to do number four here. Okay. Four. Asking questions like these. And before I even get to that, I'm wondering if there's really more than one question in this, this line of about three. Another baby boomer at work looked at the tattoo on my arm and said, you know, those are permanent, right? And I said, no. Well, isn't that clever? <laughs> you said, I, no, I you really didn't think your tattoos were permanent. Wasn't that a burn, sweet knee? I guess, I guess it was a generic asking questions like these. But no, like these implies that you're going to read two questions there. Yeah, that's that's another thing about boomers, they remember grammar rules. <laughs> the English language. You know, yeah. Uh, do you have any tattoos, Mark? Yes, I do. Okay. But they're not visible um, outside of a T-shirt. So at the very least, I had the foresight to do that. And, uh, you know, like I, I can take either side of this. Or the spine-like you know, rubber to do that, maybe. What's that? The spine-like rubber to do that, maybe. <laughs> the, I can see that a tattoo doesn't make somebody ineligible for the workforce, right? Like, I wouldn't make that claim. On the other hand, it's not like somebody, probably a boomer, somebody who is now a boomer, told you, hey, you know, getting a tattoo that covers your hand or one on your forehead is a bad idea. You're, people are going to judge you over it, and it's going to make it harder for you to get the best jobs. But, you know, people who want what they want when they want it without the consequences of it, uh, you know, are just going to go ahead and do what they want to do. Well, and then it's like, oh, but look, I'm bitter now. Perhaps there would have been a consequence of not getting it. But I remember. Oh, come on. Well, let, let, let's let's uh, do a little tattoo retrospective here. So uh -huh. um, in the 60s, basically young people weren't getting tattoos. I don't remember tattoos being a hippie thing. No. Bikers, uh, you know, people in the Navy. Right. You got those Southeast Asian tattoos and yeah. stuff like that. In the 70s, uh, I still, say early to mid 70s, I still wasn't a thing. I don't remember at the disco seeing people with tattoos being uh, emulated. Uh, but then starting in the late, uh, seventies is when you had some of the, you know, the, the big hair rockers and some of them would have a couple tattoos on their arm, you know, like Motley Crue, okay. and, um, who else? Anyway, uh, yeah, I saw that. And then, um, I, went, I think tattoos started to pick up in the late 80s. Well, uh, the, the they, punk they movement had 
yeah. more tattoos. And you also had the uh, different color hair that people had, and they had piercings in places that they hadn't had before, and it's like safety pin. You know, the amazing thing to me is now that, that was like, it happened before 79 because it started in England. But like I went to the University of Florida in 79, that's where I saw my first real punk rockers. Um, uh-huh. And they, you know, they, that seemed edgy at that time. But now, 40 years later, 40 plus years later, I see young people with multicolor hair and weird, you know, unusual piercings and, and tattoos. But the, the multicolor hair, I'm like, is that supposed to, is that supposed to make you edgy? Cause you really look like the, the, the boomer I saw in Publix with her hair dyed pink. <laughs> I, one wonders. And I, by the way, when I was young, I remember this is one of the few things I remember that you told me when I was young. Um, when I was young, you saying something about the long haired kids with the combs in the back of their pockets, uh, you know, that they should get their own style. That, that they were just biting off of your generation. Yeah. So you, you're at least consistent on this, is that we need to do di- new and different things. But I, I would say, just as a small counter, as the lightest counter I can give is, what else can they do at this point? I mean, the, the most freaky things they do are you know, rather permanent looking. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, is, is there... A, I, I don't know what one does if one wishes to rebel now that's uh-huh. both unique and rebellious. Haven't you seen the pictures of like the people with the the prosthetic horns, or they try and cr- get plastic surgery to make themselves look like a lizard, or they split? Yeah, the yeah. Thumb? I mean, it's that terrible. has not really caught on in a big way. Let's hope not. But um, <laughs> I, here's what I recommend, Henry: go ahead and do anything that's not permanent. You know. Go ahead and, and wear the funny clothes, grow the hair out, don't get the tattoos, don't get those big barrel uh, ear piercings that stretch your, your earlobe out. Um, you know, d- by God, don't do anything in your gauge. face or neck. Put a gauge in your earlobe. Uh, yeah, the gauge, that's what that's called, yeah. yeah. Those are my p- suggestions for... Glad I could help you get it with the kids, Mark. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, well, on the other hand, though, I see people with the, the, the really well-done s- sleeves on their arm. And all the yep. I mean, they look great, but it's like, do you realize your skin is going to turn to crepe paper? And it's going to be, all that stuff is just going to be a, like an old wrinkly newspaper. But nobody knows what a newspaper is anymore. But believe me, when they got old and wrinkly, they, they weren't anything you wanted to be wearing as skin. Um, yeah, I, but your skin's going to do that anyway, and so what difference does it make if there's a tattoo, uh, you know, a barely uh, legible tattoo on it? It's going to be more gross, believe me. Okay. Uh, I used to, at the doctor's office, the first doctor's office I managed, this would have been like in the, the, say, 1996, 95, 96, so 50, yeah, 50 years after World War II, and you know, to get these men that were veterans coming in with like the old wartime tattoos like you met. Yep. And, it, and the, the hula girl was now just a blob just of blob. ink. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't imagine that it's going to... to uh, well, well, say what you want about the uh, Gen X's uh, tribal tattoos. At least you know what they are <laughs> in 50 years. You know whose fault this was, though, now that I think about it. It all comes back to the time machine, too. 
Oh gosh. Remember how we had tattoo magazines before any, the, the ones that it used to be, they'd come in looking for easy rider or something like that yeah. for tattoos. And then we started carrying the magazine that had the Yakuza tattoos and stuff. And there would be the, 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 uh, the ones across their back and it would look like they were, uh, Samoan professional wrestlers like Roman Reigns or The Rock. They have those on their arms and stuff. I do remember the first visual facial tattoo still that I ever saw. It was probably in the um, right around 1990. And I think it had that look of, uh, definitely had a look of an amateur where a guy had put a skull on his forehead. Mm. And that was definitely in, in 1990. That was definitely like, you don't ever really want a job, do you? Uh, right. <laughs> that would just, that's just not anybody you want around yourself or your family. And now well, face tattoos are relatively common. I mean, yeah, I had a guy come to my house trying to, or my mom's house trying to sell solar with a tattoo on his face. Boy, they, that wouldn't have flown back in the day. Uh, all right. Well, that's showing our age, but I will say if it gets you, um, a significant other of your choice, go for it. I mean, if now, working for you. If if your if your lady is attracted to face tattoos, you need a new lady, not a new face tattoo. You should not, though. You should not date someone whose tattoos cost more than the car they drive. Hmm. That that is my rule of thumb, right there. Okay, you want to take number five? While we well, we still got quite a bit of time in this segment. The lack of accountability. Ah. And then here we go uh, with the with the post. Okay, but the thing about quote unquote, we don't start the we didn't start the fire. Aside from its evergreen meme ability, is that he was trying to say every generation of young people he I presume is Billy Joel. Um, every generation of young people resent the mess their predecessors left them, but some boomers took the moral of the story to be nothing has ever been our fault. So, okay. Uh, Before we I, get to the actual essence of that, so yeah, we didn't start the fire was a early Billy Joel video from the early part of the video music era. Yeah. And right, it's one that has this sort of staccato list of uh, sort of news items pre nineteen eighty three characters, and you sort of saw them age through with um, iconic things of the times of uh, of the 70s, 80s. Um, but evergreen memeability, memeability, yeah, yeah. Now that's this is actually from Et Claire Willett on her Twitter handle um, from August twenty third. They found this one, and I have to say, Claire Willett, whatever age you are, you do have a a unique self pretentiousness about you. <laughs> Evergreen Mimi ability. Yes, the very clever use of the words there that I have no... Con- that She made word salad out of just two words. I, I, I thought they fit together nicely, but, um, you know... Well, what, I, I understand Mimi, how, why we didn't start the fire. Would have Isn't it meme ability? ability? What's the evergreen part of that? Um, evergreen means it never dies, right? Um, it's always good. So... I don't know. I guess she's trying to say that uh, the we didn't start the fire um, is somehow, you know, 
it, it has evergreen memorability. So you can always use this. Of a song 40 years old by a performer who's pushing 80 is not evergreen. Claire, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I cut you off a little bit there, Mark, but... I don't. I don't know that she's necessarily talking about the "We Didn't Start the Fire" as the song, but the sort of the concept that um, that that history has threads to it, right? Uh, the, you know that it it runs through, and uh, you know, I don't know the boomers that have said that we didn't. Uh, nothing has ever been our fault. I don't see that part, but I you think, know, I think boomers when they were the age of Zen Zers. Said their parents had screwed up everything. Which yes. Much Don't trust anyone over 30. That repeats over and over again. Yeah. The, how about that for something that didn't age well? Don't ever trust anybody over 30. Yeah. Some, somehow we went from Steal this book. anyone over 30, which for those of you, that was a thing back in the 60s during the, you know, the height of the anti-Vietnam War and height of civil rights protests. Don't trust anybody over 30 to... Two decades later, oh, the greatest generation of all time. Isn't the greatest generation the... World uh, War II generation. World the War II, yeah. World War II generation. I see what you're saying, yeah. So don't trust them. Now they're the greatest generation. All right. Hi. I, I don't know. I, I feel like this one rings hollow. I don't find there's much, uh, much of a critique in it. So. Uh, thinking that we should all be struggling. One of the most to- toxic boomer mindsets we have to change is that more struggle equal more growth. An unnecessary workload only burns people out and does the opposite. Um, well, thank you, at Russell Matthew, you slacker, you. Um, <laughs> I mean, this this really goes against a lot of traditional Western culture. I mean, you can look in... Uh, the book of James, if you would, Mark, about persevere. <laughs> James talks about that, and he knew about that stuff because he was Jesus' half-brother. and Presumably. Who, who, well, he was, uh, you know, they didn't have... Is he the author of the book that we call James, though? That's the question. For me? Uh, Is he the author of the book we call James? Well, and he made um, out pretty good whatever relation he was because he got pretty high up in the temple, um based on his uh, relationship. Yeah, um, we don't know who necessarily wrote individual books because they didn't start worrying about provenance for 300 years. But look, regardless of it all, um, I think struggles of value. And I got to say that as I age, I, I grow more and more grateful for the struggles that I've endured. Um, you know, I feel like they've created the person that I am. I get that when you're in the middle of those struggles, all you want is for them to go away. You're like, I've stacked up enough good decisions here that this struggle should go away. But we don't get to say how long, um, you know, how long it takes for the, you know, the, the consequences of bad decisions to, to go away. And, you know, the best, the best thing I can say is, is the earlier you start stacking up good decisions, the better your life is going to be. And I would say to at Russell Matthew, um, Russ, you might want a little more self-reflection that might help you. <laughs> there may be a reason people are saying you need to struggle a little bit more. <laughs> Get out of the basement, Russell. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's done well for himself. Maybe it comes easy to Russ. 
And, and maybe he should have a little more empathy for other people. There's a certain industry in just telling people what they want to hear, you know. So Is there? Well, there is. How do we, how do we plug into that? <laughs> well, I'm terrible at it. I can tell you that much. Oh. Well, we, my screen just went all gray. Ah, typical boomer stuff. Um, maybe, maybe you should get your grandson to help you. My who? No, <laughs> one day. I got my screen back, son. <laughs> On your own. Yes. Uh, by the way, I was the one that knew what the word gauge meant. <laughs> I know what gauge means. Sure you did. All right. We'll find out. We're going to find out lots about what Mark knows in the next month. I didn't start the fire of what gauge means. We're, we are only on number seven here. And... Uh, I'm going to have to rework those topics at the top of the thing. We just got one topic this this week, but we'll do our best. You're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. It's Rains and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Rains. And I'm Mark Edge. It's a boomer gen Xer day because we have gone. I feel like I'm going into the boomer mode because I, I, I'm not people. If I, if I just pause for a second, they're going, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> it's happening to us. The, the dementia, the, the forgetfulness is all coming into it. We knew it about that boomer, but. For those of you who somehow are just joining us right now and haven't gotten the preceding hour and a half of broadcast excellence, can we use that term now since Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> he used to use that all the time, but I really think we could co-op that. I, th- I think that uh, that's for each listener to decide if uh, broadcast excellence is oh, occurring. Well, I don't know about that. He didn't let <laughs> listeners decide. He used to tell the, the callers that you're there to make him sound good. Well, he's, uh, you know, he's right for himself. He was right. He, d- he doesn't sound... 99.44% of the time, just like ivory soap. All right. Anyway, we've been going <laughs> over this, the things that are wrong with boomers, and it's from BuzzFeed News. We, we've, we've been up and down this for almost two segments here, and we're only on number six. We're just getting ready to go through number seven. But just to quickly review, we're not going to rehash all this, but these were the first six things that boomers suck about. Not they, not they suck doing, but boomers just suck. And here's the first six things that came off the BuzzFeed list of why they suck. The fact that they want kids to play outside, but hate when kids play it outside. I don't know why, how that got to number one on the list. Two, thinking money doesn't solve things. Three, 
getting mad at things like this, and we won't rehash that, I said, so I will keep my word because I'm a word-keeping boomer. Asking questions like these, and that was an stu- example of a stupid question, the lack of accountability. Uh, so they, that was, that isn't for the non-boomers lack accountability. The boomers are saying that they lack accountability for what's going on. It's someone else's fault. And number right. Well, this is, it, it basically, it's the traditional, um, the, the way things are today is the fault of the generation that has the most power. And I think it's fair to say that if you look at the, the age of politicians, that boomers have the most power, so they're blaming everything that has occurred uh, today on the boomers, is kind of the premise. Right. And the boomers, because there isn't many people older than the boomers, but when they had their chance, they would blame it on their parents' generation. Sure. And, and I'm sure their parents' generation blamed it on the generation before. Yeah, because ever since Tom Brokaw renamed them the the greatest generation, uh, thinking that we should all be struggling is number six. Yeah. And uh, really, we can we can we don't have to address that one because we're on to number seven now. And number seven really incorporates number six, in my opinion. Number seven is like everyone should just work harder. Now, the syntax there was not mine. It's whoever put <laughs> this article together at BuzzFeed. So it's so now I'm saying it to Mark without stumbling over the syntax. Like, everyone should just work harder. That, that's what's wrong with the world. Mark. Right. So it's uh, here's their, their evidence is boomers, whenever millennials and Gen Zers refuse to grin and bear it, work five jobs, pinch pennies, and live a life that makes them miserable – all to experience an American dream that barely existed to begin with. And then they have some kind of evidence from uh, Twitter. Twitter, and That's uh, Flirt Cobain that, <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, that's very clever, um, you know, for whatever it's worth. But, <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's a crying woman in a bathroom um, that uh, apparently, you know, whenever everybody refuses to uh, just work harder. And, you know... I, I, I've been accused of being a boomer. I'm not. I'm a Gen X. But um, and by the way, I don't like the term Gen Zer. If I can uh, register my complaint with BuzzFeed right now, you should not name a generation after a generation. That's not fair. They should have their own thing. So um, Zoomers uh, seems to work, and uh, iGen is another one that was uh, proffered at one point. But I don't think Gen Z is a, a fair thing to use. Anyway, as a Gen Xer, I, you know, uh, for those that don't know, I spent eight and a half years in prison in Florida. And when I got out, I basically had a choice. I could do what the vast majority of ex-convicts were going to do and get the results that the vast majority of ex-convicts were going to get. Or I could work my ass off and do my best and take take advantage of the advantages that I had. And it's all worked out pretty well for me. And so, therefore, what I would say is, is generally, work harder is good advice. Can you work yourself into uh, some kind of mental health crisis? Sure. But it seems like mental health crises are a lot more common now than they were when I was a kid. Well, I think that is a perfect example of why I said number six 
is incorporated at number seven because <laughs> if anybody can still remember what you said 10 seconds ago about coming out of prison and working harder, struggle equals more growth was number six. And yep. you, you must have. I, I'm I, consistent I, here. I, I talked to you occasionally, not very frequently back in those days. It's not like you were hiding a, a cell phone in the your vicinity back in those days. So you had to get on the, the you called collect, right? You didn't have I to called, call. I, I would call you collect from a cell phone, from a, a pay phone. Yes. In yeah. prison. So the, the few times we talked, um, that, yeah, it was, uh, definitely sounded like a struggle there. It was a struggle. And, um, you know, what I had this, this little plan, uh, I came up with a daily plan that I was going to do something every day that would help to grow my mind, my body, my spirit, and my pocketbook. And so, you know, for, in a lot of cases, I was, you know, taking classes, trying to learn how to do things that I, like, for instance, I can rebuild a carburetor. I don't know that they got those things on cars anymore, but I learned it in the automobile. No, you may find an old lawnmower. Next class. <laughs> right, right. I could take it, a car, take it apart you are and clean the, the jets or whatever. No wonder you're mistaken for a boomer. You are the walking example of this. Because if we roll it back to number five, boomers complaining about the lack of accountability. You got the accountability down. Yep. You got the struggle down. You got the work hard down. Let me back this up to number four. Well, I ask you stupid questions. You don't ask stupid questions, but it did become a great part of your uh, future career in, in radio. <laughs> Asking <laughs> stupid questions. It's uh, true. Uh, getting mad I, at things, thinking thinking money doesn't solve things. I don't think that that followed you through. No, 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 no. That that's definitely mine. I will take that because here's here's the God's honest truth. You give a hundred thousand dollars to everybody out there who thinks that uh, money's going to solve their problems. And that's almost everybody. You didn't give them enough. Right. <laughs> you, you never will give them enough. You give them $100,000 and they will spend it on whatever they think they've got a problem with. They'll spend the rest and then give them a year, they will be broke again. That's, that's a poor example. I, I, I'm you telling you. A much bigger number. People are in debt because of their lifestyle and their belief systems. Not because of anything else. Somebody a billion dollars, they're going to be hard pressed to spend it. Where am I going to get a billion dollars for every American? Well, why don't you struggle a little and work hard? <laughs> because the people that I would have to get working for me won't do it. See, you Gen Xers, you always got an excuse. That's right. Why don't we just raise the minimum wage to, you know, a billion dollars an hour? That'll solve everything. Mark, no, just don't. You know, you're just making these silly examples. Uh, you made a statement. I called you. I held you accountable for your statement. And you struggled to, to come up with the answer. Let's move on. Uh, but before we move on, <laughs> just this part that you read from this, this was part of the, Mark read part of the tweet from Flirt Cobain, which actually his, his, X handle, which used to be your Twitter handle, so his X Twitter handle is at mad underscore lines. So I don't know how Flirt Cobain and Mad Lines comes together there, but it, it did somehow. You know, uh, refused to grin and bear at work five jobs, 
So, all right, right. You, you know, you're you're making it a, a ridiculous. Not you, but Kurt, Flirt Cobain. Uh, you know, nobody works five jobs uh, unless they're five part-time jobs. And pinch well, pennies. It's clearly, and, part-time jobs. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to find a penny these days. Uh, they don't. <laughs> and, and if you do find it, it's probably not worth bending over and picking up. Well, unless the head is up. The head is up. It means it's good luck. But that's right. You know, that this is a boomer thing of me. When the the person that's at the counter making change just assumes that you don't want the change, whereas if they just said you you want to skip the change, if they acknowledge that I had a choice in the matter, yeah, I would let them keep the change in their in their cash register. But it's that assumption. All right. Well, when I think about the modern American one cent piece, I, I think we got to get rid of this thing. It's just a waste of everybody's time and energy. It costs like, I, I, I can't remember, I haven't looked it up recently, but it costs like five cents to produce a penny. And that's outrageous. I mean, we just need to retire this thing. Let's just round all the totals up or down or whatever. It costs five cents to, to produce a penny. Well, um, how much does it Use the word manufacture, not produce. Penny. You presume uh, I can spell manufacture. People never pitch pennies anymore either. Remember? Did you ever do that? To make a penny, um, it costs 2.72 cents in 2022. To manufacture a penny? Uh, yes, this is according to coinnews.com. Uh, penny costs 2.7 cents to make in 2022, and nickel costs 10.41 cents. Um, there you go. All right. Well, we'll get on a, uh, down a deep rabbit hole if we follow that too far, because we still, we still haven't gotten to number eight yet on the why boomers suck list. <laughs> Forgetting today's cost of living. This is from Hush Jared, who actually on his Twitter handle, or her Twitter handle is at Hush Jared, which there's some symmetry to that. Boomers have the nerve to lecture millennials on financial responsibility when in 1985, the average rent was 520. The average worker earned money for nothing and the typical chick was free. Is that what they said? I always thought, I always thought it was checks for free. No, no, come on. No, seriously, that's what I always thought it was. Well, I mean, he was talking about money for talking nothing. Talking about the Dire Straits song. Yes, yes, the, the Dire Straits song. And if, if we had our audio set up better, I would have that queued up to play. But that's not the case. Um, <laughs> I don't know, uh, by the way, on our AM radio stations, if all of them pay their ASCAP BMI fees, so what the problem might be of playing any given song. So You don't know. I just don't know. No, I just didn't have it thought about and queued up. It's not their audio problem. It's uh, the audio here that takes a lot of extra preparation to have ready to for broadcast quality, because we have high standards here at Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. And if we don't, there's someone we know that does have high standards that's going to listen to this and say, oh, that sucked. Um, the average rent was 520. So I'm looking here. 
I'm looking here at uh, just the last several years, rent inflation um, on average across the United States. Um, now, this doesn't affect your your specific area, but this is sort of a generalization. Rent inflation was 4.4.5%. Wage inflation was almost 6. Um, in 2021, rent inflation was 2.25%. Wage inflation was 4.5%. Um, now, in 2020, rent inflation was higher than wage inflation, but not in 2019. It was the same in 2018. In 2017, rent was slightly higher. I think that this 2016 uh, rent inflation was uh, 3.77% versus wage inflation, which was 1.13%. So that was a big disparity. But by and large, I don't think this is a valid concern. Well, because it sounds like rent's about the same. The underlying premise of this requires you to think that boomers don't pay rent or don't have housing costs. And that was not the case. So believe me, if boomers are paying rent, they're bitching about the rent and the cost of the rent. Sure. And, and if they're buying a new house, uh, they're bitching about the interest rates and the cost of housing. Now, if they're sitting in the house that they have owned for, you know, five years or more, they think the world's in a great place. And yeah. Especially, like this is, there seems to be a uh, geographically centered complaint for those who live in uh, the Los Angeles metro and the San Francisco metro that they think the rest of us should give a damn about. And in my opinion, my opinion is, if you don't like it there, move. But um, nonetheless, their their concern appears to be old people bought their houses for a number that seems very, very low now. And I have to pay a number that anyone would consider high, and that's true, uh, in order to live here. And I've got a right to live where I want to live. So, you know, so, uh, so, so hear me cry. And, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, the, why, why does everybody want to live in San Francisco and Seattle and, and Florida. Portland? Florida has had, yeah, Florida, I don't think it's as bad. Over the last, uh, ever since COVID, for sure, and really before that, but certainly the the coastal areas. But I mean, you can go to there's places in Florida you can go and pay cheap rent and go to Arcadia. No, okay, I, I believe I believe all over this the state. You you it is cheaper in Arcadia, but it's expensive for Arcadia. It's cheaper. Well, sure, it's expensive for Arcadia. <laughs> Because you, but you don't have any, uh, you don't have the same wages in Arcadia as you do here on the coastal area. The reality is, and always has been, that if you want to be closer to whatever the thing is you want to be closer to, you're going to have to pay more rent to do it. Well, unless you want to be close to a field full of cows, and that, and there's that. You need to change what you want to be near. That's right. You, you want to be. You know what the secret to happiness is? Want what you've got. Oh, you Gen Xers, they just <laughs> know what the secrets are. All right, number nine. You want to you do number nine? Oh, I'd love to. Number nine, giving outdated job advice. <laughs> Somebody please make a reality TV show where boomers apply to jobs with the wildly outdated advice they unsolicitedly, unsolicitedly, Give millennials, Gen Zers, I'm begging. This is from Allison Perry at uh, Allison Perry Art 
on Twitter. So, I, I mean, okay, so I'm going to bring up this example. It gets used on the Internet a lot, and um, I, I take a stance on it that is, I think, worth, uh, you know, expounding That's too? Yeah. So, yes, if you cut out that Starbucks mocha latte frappe whatever and the six bucks that it costs you every day and just brew some coffee and bring it in a thermos, you will, and you, you do this over time, you take the money and then you invest the money, yes, that will be worth something. And financial advice that is worth something is worth something. Use it. Um, you know, but a lot of people are like, well, my life sucks. So I'm just going to enjoy this moment with this sugary beverage. And it's just a series of decisions like that. If you're willing to spend the $7 on the, uh, you know, the frap or whatever, then you're also willing to make another, a lot of other sort of poor financial choices. And then that eats up your discretionary income every week and you have nothing to invest. But that isn't what they were talking about on this. They're, they said wildly outdated advice. No. Jobs. Outdated advice for applying for a job. Keep the money from your job and don't spend it on dumb stuff. How's no, that I mean, for wildly know, outdated I want to know what advice. the outdated advice for applying for a job is. Uh, probably putting together a resume. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't applied for a job in a very long time. Well, I want to know. And... <laughs> <laughs> The, it's not the greatest article. It's just I, supposed I, to be hating I, on I, boomers. I, I, and was give, actually some. Uh, this wasn't a boomer advice, but I've got a piece of advice from an article of something relevant to searching for a job. This is someone that used to. Now it's done by AI, even more so. But just recently, someone that worked in uh, the employment field, uh, the seeking employment field said that if you submit uh, an email that was either a yahoo.com or like hotmail.com, they would automatically uh -huh. disqualify. Forget AOL. Yeah. And that's pretty awful. Well, especially but if, you're, if you're getting enough applications, if you're getting enough applications to a job, right? Like you need to be able to filter in some manner. I've heard attractive women say things like, I judge a man um, in the first five seconds based on his shoes. Now that's a terrible way to choose, but if you have a lot of suitors, you've got to come up with some system for filtering. All right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just throwing out that air there. I'm trying to absorb that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be Speechless. an alternative? I mean... Shoes are a way of, of filtering without having to make eye contact. <laughs> I I don't understand it either. Um, I don't don't ask me to defend this particular practice. I I mean, you know, historically women have liked men that uh, make can make them laugh. But well, what's what's really the benefit in that? I suppose it's less likely that uh, you know they'll they'll commit violence against you. But by how much? I don't know. Uh, which one? I mean, are comedians the, less likely to beat their wives? wives? The, the woman looking at your shoes? or the, <laughs> I, Yeah, you really lost me on that one. But I do want to go back <laughs> to the email thing. 
Because I would just like to say something to the... This is not... Well, you people will call it a boomer thing anyway, but this is not a boomer thing. This is actually when you have a better product. Yahoo Mail, that you actually can have multiple tabs of multiple emails open. Like if, if you look at your browser on a computer and you have your tabs across uh-huh. the top, you can go from one yep. website to another without opening and closing a website, which seems yeah, common sure. and it is common now. Uh-huh. But it's not common in emails. The, I, I have not figured out how you can, you can open up a window with Gmail on each, uh, each email that you open. You can open up in a separate window, but you can't open it up in a separate tab within your email program. But Yahoo is the only one mm-hmm. where you can have those multiple tabs open and you can go back and forth from three or four different emails, which I find very convenient. Well, it sounds like a feature to me, too. I think that the very fact that we're talking about email uh, puts us in the boomer, boomer category, though. Nobody uses email to uh, converse any longer. Well, they evidently and, they use it to disqualify you for your job. Yeah, once you see it, sure. I, I see that. But uh, here's what I want. I want some kind of app that takes all my messaging programs and puts them in one thing so I don't have to have... Signal and WhatsApp and, and Telegram and you know, all these different messaging apps. It's yeah, it's confusing. If you're going back to look for something that was sent to you, which I shudder at the notion, but uh, people send me things all the time on messaging apps, and I need to find that thing. Well, was that sent in? Uh, was it sent in WhatsApp? Was it sent in Telegram? Was it in Signal? I can't remember, and that's very frustrating. That sounds like a place for innovation, and that's the kind of innovation that people that have a little bit of experience in their life have (laughs) ideas about. But we'll come back with more great ideas, like WhatsApp versus Telegram versus Yahoo email. Uh, On the other side of these messages, you're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Raines. And I'm Mark Edge. And if you've been listening since the very first hour, you heard me set the table with all kinds of relevant news stories that we were going to cover today. But we've thrown it all out the window, proverbially, to deal with the problem that faces so many of the, the younger generation, and that's dealing with boomers and all the horrible things that- <laughs> characteristics of boomers. We, we have this article from BuzzFeed, and I have to tell you, we've only gone through number nine out of 15 things that boomers suck, that, that not suck at, but boomers suck. And here's just 15 off the top of BuzzFeed's head that they found on Twitter of people complaining about boomers. Bringing you forward through the last three segments where we got averaged Three things about boomers that suck, an hour, a segment rather, a half hour. We finished up at the last one with the idea that I was told by someone that 
worked in uh, employment services that they would automatically throw out people that had an email of yahoo.com or hotmail.com or maybe aol.com. You had to have something that seemed a little more modern like gmail.com or maybe the, um, the Apple email program. You can tell I'm not really an Apple person, which probably makes me an even worse boomer than I am. Well, it makes you, it makes you the, uh, what they're trying to, to get rid of anyway. They want, they want you to like, basically, well, like the things that I like. And it's, it's just really sort of ridiculous that HR would ever allow anyone to uh, make a decision on whom they uh, hire based on, well, what's their email look like? I, I can't tell what this core not, not even is. What it looks like, what, it, what the, uh, the suffix of the address is, the, the domain of the address. But yeah. I want to tell the audience, speaking of that, because I wanted Mark to like what I like, <laughs> is I had him go to Yahoo email. And he was saying, because I said the big advantage is that you can have open multiple tabs. And maybe somebody will correct me and tell me another email program you can do this with. But you can have multiple tabs open within that email window, not open a separate window for each email you want to open up. Mark had his tabs turned off, and I showed him how to turn the tabs on. And now, Mark, do you find the uh, – you haven't used it much, but can you see – possibly the inherent improvement or functionality by having that kind of an email. I can see the usefulness that one might find in the Yahoo email. I, however, don't use, this is my oldest email and I don't use it very much. Um, It's just got, you know, a bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, here and there I'll use it. So I don't know if I'll ever use this particular thing, but I have been trained and I think that's pretty cool. One wonders how many other people aren't getting their full functionality from the Yahoo email app. But I will say, Mark, maybe you could create. No, don't nobody send anything to this because I'm just throwing it out here to Mark to to ponder. Maybe you should try a Reigns and Edge Yahoo email, and then you would have <laughs> an own little domain of, of of emails that you could try this with, and perhaps. In a perfect world, we will get Yahoo to sponsor us because we are such good advocates of their email. It, it might work. I think it's Doubtful. it's worthy of trying, right? <laughs> Just why not? Yes, we uh, there. There's probably a whole wealth of sponsors that nobody wants to have sponsor them that might be available to us. That, Maybe we can get MySpace. You know, I I was looking at MySpace just the other day. <laughs> and what's going on there? Not much. <laughs> not much since Justin Timberlake abandoned his attempt to to revive it. To revive uh, it, yeah. I was looking on the news. Uh, they have a news page, and I I don't know. I would say I would have thought that there would be news more recent than 2022 on the news page. So mm. it seems though, although it seems to be functional all the way through the different. Because it's funny that I I had the precognition to think that maybe we would want to talk about MySpace because I felt like that Elon Musk was turning Twitter, uh, ex-Twitter, into the new MySpace. Um, But MySpace has functionality all the way through it still, but it looks like there is no human that is trying to keep any of it up. (laughs) It doesn't care. (laughs) Supported Supported by a lack of care. 
We, the Reigns and Edge listening audience, we could just use that as our own domain to just run <laughs> rampant over and make, just make a MySpace page. And <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I am not the libertarian that you are, but I think that would be a great place just to have. It's sort of like the Free State Project, the the Free Space Project would be where all the libertarians could congregate at MySpace and just co-op and squat on it. Just squat on MySpace and take it over for libertarianism. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm uh, looking at MySpace and it does seem functional. I don't know who most of these people are, or at least half of these people are. But uh, Well, yeah. it doesn't matter because it doesn't look like anybody's put anything up since about 2022. COVID wiped them out. Yeah, all the people there—they—they they got so much COVID in their space. It just devastated them. Well, well, I imagine you'd get—you'd be able to uh, to to trick their their algorithm relatively easily by just getting enough people to come and use any one page. It would seem like. Wouldn't it be amazing if the new ecosystem for libertarianism was germinated? By my idea, and I'm not even Arian. <laughs> here, there, on, yeah, on a Reigns and Edge. <laughs> All right. So, although we'll, we'll move on from this, but I want to say to our vast audience of listeners, if you're on board with this, let us know so that we can really pump it up in the weeks to come. Sure. Where so, do you want your email sent? Just at this point, all I got is marketfreetalklive.com. Uh, for, for the time being, we can use Henry Rain show at gmail.com. Okay. And that, there, there, there's two S's. Rains has an S and show has an S. Henry yes. Rain show at gmail.com. But I am planning on, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Uh, well, let's just digress again for a second. So I think it's just a lot easier to go on Twitter, uh, to, to t- contact well, us. I, at, at the beginning of this show, I said to Mark, we need to reach, now I'm talking to the audience, we need to, to reach you better. And we, we need to, a way of, of doing more than just the radio show. And because we're not one of those Gen Xers or boomers that are just stuck with their flip phone, not being connected. We're interconnected with all of you. And I was saying, you know, maybe we need to do an Instagram story. We could do something live there. We could do, go on X Twitter and and do a, a live video there like Tucker Carlson. I hear he's just setting the world on fire there. Uh, and we could do, uh, we could create a Facebook page. We could be in all this stuff. We can do little TikToks too, or TK, as the kids say. Um, Is that what they say? Uh, that's I know what we were told by, talking about the last time you told me. Yes, I, I, I was told, well, this is how, what I was told. I Someone said they were doing a TK, which was a uh-huh. live t- t- TikTok auction for marketing. Okay. And I said a TK, and they said TikTok. And, you know, with that sort of condescending. That, smarmy, millennial yes. tone in their voice. I got gotcha. Yeah. Oh, man, we got to get going. Anyway, we want, we need help. We need some feedback here. We need to be able to reach all of you. Hip people, the hip cats, Mark, uh, the ones that know can inform us, much as the same <laughs> way we did with Yahoo for them. All right, number 10 on the list. We're going to move faster, I hope. Uh, 
Oh, this has one of those weird syntax ones, too, from anybody listening to one of the earlier segments would heard. I would have read this like that firm handshake will really seal the deal. But I think I'm supposed to read this like, like that firm handshake will really seal the deal. You know, with that, as we were talking about that condescending millennial Gen Z or kind of syntax. Boomer energy be like, just do what I did in the 1970s. I paid $3 for university when walked into where I wanted to work, gave them a firm handshake. They offered me a job. I saved five bucks a week and now I'm worth hundreds of millions. I get that that's a funny way to put a particular. Um, yeah. That's by you know, Matthew Grant, by the way, on, on Twitter at, at Maddie Sino, S-I-N-O. By the way, anybody that wants to take these Twitter handles, tweet them, X them, whatever it's called now, and let them know they were heard on Reigns and Edge, and we had a thing <laughs> or two to say about them. I'm, I'm curious, though, is in this instance, I get handshakes aren't what they used to be. But I still tend to think that handshakes are a pretty good thing. Um, and... Yeah, if you want to work at a place, you should probably go there. Talk to them. See what you can do to get the job there. Because there are a lot of jaded jerks that are putting in their application that are all like, well, going there and shaking somebody's hand won't do anything. As Matt Sino, Matthew Graham here, indicates. You don't have to be as good at whatever as the boomers are. You just have to be better than your contemporaries. And ladies and gentlemen, I've seen the millennials and the Gen Zs. It's easy. If I was younger, I could beat the pants off these kids. Mark, Mark, take it down, man. You're overmodulating. They get you all worked up. (laughs) Um, So the, uh, oh, my, my cat has joined us. You, yes, you got no, her. I... You woke her up from her nap, Mark. <laughs> That's my job: waking up cats. <laughs> and she's looking for a box to climb into to get away from you. <laughs> but at least she's distracted. Whoops! <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet she is. Missy, you all right? <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't like being on the radio. I, I had a dog that loved being on the radio, but that was years ago. Uh, rest in peace, Slim. Anyway, uh, we, where were Oh, shaky hands. When I, okay, for background, people may not know and likely don't know that uh, I promoted pro wrestling from uh, like 1989 to 1991 for three years in Florida. We I think you promoted of, it before. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple TV. I, you know, I wrestled too, but the, my main job was to be the promoter um, because I was. But that was before '89. Say that again. That was before '89. Uh, no, you saw me wrestle before '89. You were the one setting up the venues and stuff. I mean, whether you were the pro- official promoter or not, um, that, that things wouldn't have existed well, without I, you. I guess my TV tapings were, there might have been one in 88, but it was basically the TV started in 89. All right. And, but, and 90 and 91. And so, uh, but when I first started training, that would have been well before 89. That would have been like right at the very beginning of 88, probably, uh, maybe even the end of 87. 
uh, learning how to do uh, the, the different things. And, and one of the things that we're talking about the firm handshake, uh, I, I got to, you know, in the, you would go somewhere where you're training and first couple times I got there, you'd walk up and you'd shake hands with people like, hi, I'm Henry. And rather than a firm handshake, they would give you the lightest touch, like almost um, creepy. <laughs> it would be like you put your hand out there and they would just barely touch it and just barely move. And that was a thing that really, I think, was more prevalent with beginners because I think once you got into the actual upper levels, they didn't want to do that anymore because they wanted to not make a, a point. The point was that uh, I, I'm shaking your hand so gently that I have total control, not of you. But, you know, in other words, if I hit you, I mean to hit you. I, I, I don't want to like... I don't want to expose it in a way that isn't respectful to the, the business and the, what the, the people do. But then as, as time went on, that's sort of uh, gone away, I believe, from what I've talked to people that do it now. But Well, there are fashions in everything, yeah, including handshakes. Of a firm hand. It was the complete polar opposite of a firm handshake. And... So, yeah, that was a hard thing. And then, you know, later on, you just walk up and shake somebody's hand because you, you want to say, yeah, I really am stiff. <laughs> See me coming. <laughs> you better watch out. But anyway, that was a... Well, yeah, the, uh, the finer points of uh, handshaking within the uh, Florida wrestling business is uh, it, it's, it's hard to know exactly what anybody was trying to communicate with. If anybody there. wants to see those uh, some old videos of that period of time on Facebook, there, there's a Facebook page, Suncoast Pro Wrestling, and you can see what I and my contemporaries look like. Um, yeah, you know, over thirty years ago, many now. long years ago. <laughs> but you, you came to—I remember you came to a few of the matches. You came more to a few, more than a few. I rang the bell every once uh, there in the early days. Yes. All right. Well, then you went on a detour. <laughs> right. um, so anyway, the firm handshake. Uh, anything else you want to say about that, Mark? Not really. I think that uh, that. Uh, really what I'm trying to say is is that although the world has changed, that doesn't mean that everything has changed. In fact, I would say the world is more similar in the 19, to, to, it was, to how it was in the 1970s and that people and relationships are more similar than they are different. Well, that leads us right into the next one, which I'll, you take number 11. Believing that calling people will solve every problem. One boomer thing is the belief that the, of, in the miraculous power of the telephone. Anytime I encounter some obstacle, my parents' advice is, try to call them. This is uh, John Glanz uh, complaining at uh, Lionel underscore trolling uh, about, well, I guess his parents. And, you know, I guess I'm in on this one, too. You'd be surprised how many times calling somebody will solve a problem. And it may not solve every problem, but just because it doesn't solve every problem or even 
a third of the problems doesn't mean that it's not a, something that should be tried and uh, part of the, uh, you know, your solution quiver. Well, I think it also speaks to a word I thought I heard in your, your last uh, exposition about number 10, and that was the word relationship. You know, building a relationship with people, even if it's uh, temporary, uh, creates a, a connection and an, sometimes an obligation or, or a responsibility that people try a little bit harder with you, for you. I would think so, too. I mean, who are you going to deal? Who are you going to try harder with? Uh, somebody who's who sent you an email, or somebody who took a, took the time to pick up the phone and and call you? Right. Somebody who sent you from Hotmail dot com. That's right. Yeah, you're never going to need to worry about them. Um, and there was a uh, Hyundai. They they've got a problem with some uh, models of their different. Uh, uh, whether it's the Elantras or some of the other ones from like 2015, 2016, they've got some transmission issues. Okay. And they, and if you happen to have one of these problems, there is a fix that they will do past the extended warranty or rather past the warranty that they extended uh, coverage for these problems. Cause they were threatened with a class action suit. They didn't want it to get all the way to a recall and have to fix all these transmissions that might not even be necessarily their responsibility. So if you had this problem after, and by the way, Hyundai had the six-year, 60,000 bumper-to-bumper warranty, and then they had a, a one that went a little bit farther on the drivetrain. But uh, this would have fallen into the 60,000 miles. And... That you would take it, and it was available to as a fix, but it had to go through the service department and be kicked up uh, and escalated to Hyundai. And Hyundai would generally approve it, fixing it because they knew they had a problem. That required somebody at the local level wanting to escalate it for you. They had an incentive because they would be paid for fixing it. Still, I would have made the point to someone, why don't you talk directly to the service manager, not just the service tech that you know does the intake on the car? And I actually called a local uh, used car dealer that had interactions with the service manager at Hyundai and got a name and you know who to ask for. And the person that I was uh, saying this to was very dismissive uh, about that whole idea. Luckily, they eventually got their car fixed anyway. That, to me, is an example of trying to create a relationship and having it more likely to go in your favor. And having said that, we have some very important messages for you coming up right now. You're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. 
There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. A friend of mine wrote a book, and, uh, well, I'm going to read an ad for it. Are you ready to explore a grand-breaking alternative to traditional state structures? Discover Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state by Calvin Duke, available now on Amazon in three formats. Don't miss the chance to explore this well-researched masterpiece, available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine read the audiobook, too. It's not the best audio, but hey, you know, it's easier than reading. And that's available on Amazon. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state, is a must-read for those seeking a new perspective on governance, efficiency, and individual freedom. Grab your copy today and be part of the conversation that challenges the status quo and changes libertarianism forever. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state, available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Get yours today and explore a future beyond convention. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state by Calvin Duke. It's Rains and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network, and I'm Henry Rains. And I'm Mark Edge. And this has been a long slog to get through all the things that suck about boomers <laughs> and, and about Gen X. And, we've, we've, and we're really just getting started, to be honest. Well, yeah, we, they could make a career out of criticizing boomers, which... Uh, These folks at BuzzFeed seem to have. Yes. Well, we, we could just, besides Rains and Edge... We could start another podcast. Boomers suck. And then we could have, well, we don't want to do Gen X suck because nobody cares about them. And But we could have millennials, my gosh, and Gen Z. It's, anyway. All right. Well, we're, we're, I'm losing momentum because we got to get through this. We're on the final segment of Reigns and Edge for this week, and we still have number 12, 12 through 15 to get through here, Mark. Yep. I think I took... Did you take 11? I got 11. I took 11, I think. 12, then. Thinking anyone can just buy a nice little starter home. Nothing makes my blood boil like social media posts about young people trying to buy a house, any house, for less than 800000 where 50 boomers are like, why can't young people today just settle for a nice starter house? I bought my first house for 100000 and it was only 2,000 square feet. <laughs> this is from Lucy Huber on X Twitter at CL Hoobs. And this is back in July she wrote this. I, I could see this. This sounds like a legit critique to me because there are some places where a starter home is $800,000. And, and um, I'm sure if you po- post on Facebook that you're buying a house for $800,000, that somebody will think of that as, 
way too much for their particular area um, and, you know, have a comment. So well, it might be your starter home. I don't think it fits the criteria of starter home. Well, uh, let, let's say it this way, that a small home, and by that I mean less than 800 square feet, on a, you know, a small street, just on a regular street, that that house will cost $800,000 if you're in certain zip codes in California. Yes, but what I'm looking at is at the $800,000, you are going to have a mortgage payment not including the insurance and other, what, 6000 uh, a month? There's very few people, few couples even, that have 6000 a month to spend when they're starting out. So by definition, it wouldn't be their starter home. It would be the starter home for uh, uh, a couple that probably had an annual income of $400,000 or something, which is a small, small percent. Well, isn't your first house a starter home no matter what? Yes, what I'm saying, most people that are starting with a first home or don't have an income, a household income of 400000 a year. So. Well, I guess they rented because it, it, there's there's some places that if you choose to live in those places, you know, you have a work, maybe you work in downtown L.A. Um, and if you work in downtown L.A., good luck finding a house that's not in a crime-ridden cesspool that costs less than $800,000. So, that's a very small number, an infinitesimal almost percentage of the number of couples starting out or individuals starting out in the United sure. States of America. So, sure, but if, if that person, if the person buying that $800,000 house, which is their first house, were to post that information on uh, Facebook, they would be inundated with posts from people who did not understand what their real estate market right, Let's cut like. to the chase on this because we want to get through these other three things. And I'm just going to uh, preempt this a little bit. Those boomers, they have kids and grandkids and they know what they're paying for a home. And it's not like you are out there, Lucy, all by yourself with no generations that came before you. I'm pretty sure Lucy has parents. Maybe they're not in her life anymore, and I apologize if I'm touching on a sensitive spot for Lucy. But, Lucy, if your parents probably know that you're struggling for that price of that house, and maybe your grandparents are still around, and they know too. And maybe your aunt and uncle know and what it's costing you, and they know what their kids are costing them. So the idea that the Boomers don't know that houses cost a lot of money for people starting out is just a false narrative to me on all of this. I'm ready for number 13. All right. Well, here, I'd like to tell this quick little story. Please. My mom, when I was young, was complaining, uh, you know, in my, the presence of my grandmother about the cost of a car that she was thinking about buying. And I can't tell you the numbers on this. I swear, I just don't remember. Uh, I was young, probably. Well, I, I can I can do the math and tell you I was somewhere in the neighborhood of like twelve years old. And my grandmother st- stopped um, as my mom was complaining about it, and she's she's like, "Well, what do you think the car should cost?" And my mother said, um, and my grandmother said, "Get real, Patsy." 
Now, um, grandmother born in 1917, mom born in 19, uh, like 1940. So there you go. Sometimes you just got to get real. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm moving on to 13. (laughs) Right. It's probably best. You know, these. I think you've already covered this. So we may go through this one quickly. Telling millennials not to drink coffee. (laughs) Boomers love talking about how much money millennials waste on coffee. I'm sorry that we spend $4 on finding the will to make it through the day in this nightmare of a society that your generation created, Karen. Right. Now, this also touches on a part of the whole millennial culture that irritates the crap out of me. Credits due. This is from Claire without the E. That's what it says. Yeah. at Nasty Woman at Law as her Indeed. ex-Twitter handle. This statement here where I'm sorry we spend $4 on finding the will to make it through the day and this nightmare of a society that your generation created, Karen, that is the lionizing of suicide. And I think it's the worst thing that millennials did. Like the whole idea that somehow life is just so terrible that, you know, it's either coffee or I kill myself. Oh, my God. And really? Boomers call you people, you know, sad little floppy-souled useless bastards? Really? Mark, I think you've had too much coffee. I I don't drink it. I drink coffee. I just drink decaffeinated coffee. I I just went to Claire without the E on X Twitter at Nasty Woman Law. I'm trying to check this out. Uh, This is her self-description. Chaotic good, not great. I like that one. Absolutely endorses this, especially not me. JD, I think that means Juris Doctor, Doctor of Law. Okay, here's the rabbit hole. This, this is what Claire is talking about as we speak. It was 14 hours ago she posted this. Watching Lost for the first time. And I am setting myself up for a disaster. Huh. Met a man named Shadrach, and my immediate response was, like, Menshach and Abednego? That's that's from it's, the Bible. It's Meshach and Abednego was how I was taught. In, yeah. Uh, they, they never, I, I know the story, but I did not get the good Yeah, story. no one ever tells you how to read these things. Yeah. But here... Uh, well, she went on a little bit more. May we never forget these anti-capitalist banger from the Shadrach, Meshach, was that right? Meshach. Meshach. What's the next one? Abednego. Veggie Tales episode. <laughs> Everyone in the fac- chocolate factory. Everyone in the factory can eat as much chocolate as they want after they ship their two millionth. All right. Well, Claire is a very interesting person and... Uh, I'm glad she made a contribution to the show, and I hope that her coffee cup flows over with coffee. (laughs) Not not in a McDonald's hot coffee way, but as in a never runs empty, I should say. Where's she getting that $4 coffee? Well, it's easy to get $4 coffee. You can spend well over that. All right. You're on to number 14. Number 14. Calling everyone sensitive. 
It's always funny to me when boomers accuse young people of being overly sensitive, special snowflakes who can't handle the real world. My dudes, we all worked in retail. We know which generation is most likely to fly off the handle over the most minor inconvenience imaginable. From Existential Comics at Existential Comms. Um, I have worked in retail. And comic book store, and uh, you know, at convenience stores and things like that. Um, but I would say that, uh, let's see, I, I, you know, it's been some time, been twenty years since I've worked in uh, retail, probably more than that, been more than that, probably closer to thirty um, at the latest, and. Therefore, I can't really comment on who's worse, but certainly uh, women uh, in the Boomer and Gen X categories have gotten a reputation as wanting to talk to the manager. But that's probably because everybody else doesn't give a damn. You know, when I see the videos of the latest Karen wanting to speak to the manager or something like that, I they seem to look like they're in their 40s or 50 tops to me. Okay. Gen Xers. My sampling of that. Well, you'll note from this article, they don't even mention Gen X. Like, there's not even a single mention. And it's getting to the point where it appears as though every person below the age of 40 is a millennial and every person above the age of 40 is is a boomer. Like, we're just going to forget the Gen Zs and we're going to forget the Gen Xs. So while you were expanding on that... Um... I went to Existential Comics on Twitter, which actually is Existential C-O-M-S. Yeah. And that is a philosophy webcomic about the inevitable anguish of living a brief life in an absurd world. Also jokes. (laughs) Follow me on Blue Sky. I don't know what Blue Sky. You know what Blue Sky is? Never heard of it. Uh, Just goes to show. Existential Comics and existentialcomics.com is a website. So tell Exist um, if you happen to go there, where who referred you? Uh, and in fact, I will. You know, I am going to tell you, Mark, right now. I will be tweeting Existential Comics because Existential Comics has four hundred thirteen thousand followers on X Twitter. Yep, sounds like, uh, and they and they're not paying for the blue check, so they did that the the hard way. Are you are you there now too? Yeah. Uh, wow. I I will have to, and it also says that if I like them, I might also like Edward Snowden, Philosophy Now, and Ricky Gervais. That's quite <laughs> the tri- trio there. That uh, huh. I've got philosophy now, Oxford philosophy, and philosophy news. Is the that the seems much more like a a threesome that would go together. Yeah, makes more sense. How, I wonder how X Twitter picked my three. I mean, I can see, I can almost see Edward Snowden that sort of. Um, well, I've already got him. So, yeah, philosophy now that makes sense. Ricky Jervis, am I saying his last name? I mean, I've seen him on the Golden Globe Awards and stuff like that, but I'm surprised that 
ex-Twitter thinks I would like that. All right, so anyway, we get this. Boomers accuse people of being sensitive. Do you think so? Everyone's too sensitive. I think it's only like right-wing talk show hosts. I'm not including the Free Talk Live in this. I'm talking about the... See, it's the same people that go off about um, participation trophies. You know, that's like a go-to thing on second-string right-wing commentators. They'll throw that up, you know, about the snowflake. We're turning the children into snowflakes because we give them participation. You know, this is my take on it. You didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you my take on participation. I think they're <laughs> a great thing. I think Participation trophies. Yes, because okay. any, any kid that gets a participation trophy knows he's getting it or she's getting it not because they're winners at the sport they know because they sat in the car with their parents and their little brother or sister day after day after day and they went out there and they participated and they showed up when their fourth child the sullen one that sits in a room all day and doesn't interact with anybody else gets by without having to do it. But they put up with mom and dad. They put up with the siblings. They put up with the whole blended family problem that they went through and they did it and they deserve the thir- the little $335 trophy that they get for showing up. I, uh, I too have received a participation trophy. I, Participated in a jujitsu event, and everybody who went got some kind. Got you know, like a a prize thing of you know something they can put on their mantle that says, "What's that?" T-shirt would have been nicer. Yeah, they had T-shirts too. Um, You had to buy the T-shirt, but it was this little thing, and I'm sure that the uh, you know the the trophy store that they bought this stuff from, um, you know, threw something in for them buying something else, and whatever the case may be. And to me, it's a memento of what occurred. I went to this event. I got a particip- this participation trophy. They didn't call it that. Um, I got this item for participating. I didn't win. Your first jujitsu event, it's unlikely you're going to go in and you know sweep all the way to the top. And yeah, I mean, I got a participation trophy and I'm okay with it. I think that the problem would be in the rare instance where some kook suggests that what's important isn't winning, it's participating, or whatever the case may be, is is that um, you know they 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 somehow make the participation trophy the best thing that you that we could have all gotten here. Have you ever heard the kid that gets the participation trophy say that? No, it's not about. They know where they stand. Of course, in the they do. Water. I believe they do. I'm I'm saying very much that a participation trophy is just fine. Um, I think that it is possible to interpret a participation trophy as something worse than it is, and that in probably in some rare instances that it probably is, because everything you can imagine some kook says is true. All right, let's get on to the final one. And okay. That- Finally, this is number 15. Did I do number 14 or you did number 14? I'm doing number 15, the final one. And appropriately enough, the header on number 15 is, and finally, 
refusing and to And finally. Uh, boomers. My generation never went to therapy, and we turned out fine. <laughs> this is so wrong on so many levels. It's, it's definitely said by someone who may be in their circle. They're, you know, they've heard that from people who are the age of boomers. But if you were to watch uh, movies and television shows from the 60s and the 70s, certain ones, you know, it was a trope in a lot of movies. The, the couch Therapy? with the, uh, yeah, the, the psychiatrist sitting there yep. with a notepad listening to you. And it was a standard uh, cartoon joke and things like that. So it was the boomer generation is when it became more mainstream. And I find uh, that a lot of the my contemporaries would be like, they may be like, well, I don't need therapy. But they are very much like, that person needs some therapy. <laughs> They are well aware of people that need therapy. Well, I'd say I, I'd say this is that um, you know from the Bob Newhart days until now that you know therapy's gotten better and more efficient. Uh, I'd advocate for therapy for anybody who has a you know, emotional trauma that they haven't been able to get over. Like for instance, this article and us reading all the way through it over the course of three hours. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, you need therapy, you ought to get it. But, yeah, I mean, you know. Do you know who This person's a, parents may not want to. A radio personality who is a big advocate for therapy. I mean, there must be, you would not think of this person as a big advocate in 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 their early career. Do you know who is? No. Howard Stern is a big advocate of therapy. Really? And he and I think if you listen now, some of it is just aging. I, I think if you listen to his <laughs> old stuff from twenty or thirty years ago, and his new stuff, there there is a greater self awareness. Mm, sure, he expresses. And interestingly enough, to me, I think um, before Donald Trump won the election, the the twenty sixteen election. Uh, Howard Stern had already gone through t therapy. You know, I think he probably was continuing therapy. But he said, you know, Donald Trump is somebody that really needs therapy, but he'll never do that. And he, he's, he, he made this analysis of Donald Trump. Not, it wasn't a political analysis. He said Donald Trump has a personality that needs the affirmation and the acclamation that the uh, you get that with the presidency. So it's natural to want that, but you also get some of the worst, the most opposite, the most worst criticism, the most demonization of the person. The, you know, the, and he said he'll, he'll never be able to thrive with that kind of negativity coming to him. That's an interesting Analysis, yeah. I think, in hindsight. Well, good for you, Howard Stern. Not that you need my affirmation, <laughs> but uh, I know. You know Howard Stern's birthday is the same as Rush Limbaugh's? No. And Kirstie Alley, too, by the, the way. Same birth year? No. Uh, Kirstie Alley is the same birthday as uh, Rush Limbaugh. That's year and 
date. Um, Howard Stern is simply the same date three years younger than Rush Limbaugh. Oh. I don't know if you can call it younger at this point because Rush Limbaugh is dead, but nonetheless. So anyway, uh, we can't go back and we could, but it would be very time assuming to go back to those early people. But since these last few, we've been giving them credit on Twitter and doing our part for X, I should say X Twitter. Uh, this was from pride month beta. Now what parent names their child pride month beta, but anyway, somebody did it. <laughs> and the Twitter handle is beep boop beta. Beep boop. And I'm looking at them. Um, this person is, quote, is everyone else's problem to deal with. Queer, agnostic, seminarian, relentlessly curious, strode, S-T-R-O-A-D, hater, fake cheese enthusiast, and the pronouns, she, any, 30-something. Sounds like a barrel of laughs. Yes. Well, I don't know. Let's see. Their pin t- tweet is 24 hours ago. I finally got annoyed with Elon's BS. I censored that to delete Twitter from my phone. Honestly, I didn't really miss scrolling very much because of how much the experience. Well, you know, I think you may be onto something there. Um, I, though I do, I am very curious about the next person that uh, they retweeted IBS Barbie. <laughs> IBS Barbie? Yeah, what does that mean? Irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right. So well, we have we're coming One of the things I love about the internet is just how much great comedy there is out there for free. You used to have to go and rent a VH uh VHS uh, tape of Ebony Murphy. We are or- on, Mark. We're up against the clock and thank you for making it through the list with me. And thanks for everybody listening. Last words, you got 10 seconds. Well, Beep boop beta. All right. We'll see you next week, folks, on the radio. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.